Success in the New Retirement with Damon Roberts and Matt Deaton. And this is the Success in the New Retirement podcast with Damon Roberts and Matt Deaton. My name is Mark Owens, and it's all powered by Acute Wealth Advisors. All the information, you can find it at successinthenewretirement.com. Hey, so I was talking to a buddy of mine about you guys. He's a, he's a fan. He listens to the show on the weekends, and he was telling me about some issues that he has with his advisors. Now, he has one of those local 800 number, one of those big box advisors, and he made the comment. He said, you know, I had just a simple question about a rollover. I called the 800 number. I was on hold for about 10 minutes and then a whole new voice picked up. They said, yeah, of course you can talk to so-and-so. Can we schedule you for a phone consultation a week from Tuesday? My buddy was like, you got to be kidding me, man. This is a five minute conversation at best. And it's going to take me a week and a half to get answers. So he said he made a good analogy. He said it was kind of like going to an oil change because you feel like you're just in line waiting and waiting and waiting and that you're on their schedule. You're not on your own schedule. So Damon, Matt, there's somebody who said about being local and in the community, and I know you're very involved in the community, but more than that, just about being available. Well, I think that's the key is availability. So again, not every time does a client call in that I'm, that I'm available, right? I might be in an appointment. I might be in a radio show. I might be in a number of different things that occupy our time, but I have a standard rule that I will call back my clients the day they call. So it might be six o'clock at night, but I'm going to try to get a hold of them to try to answer their question. And so again, I mean, you should demand that type of service. You should expect that if you have some questions about your accounts that you can get some answers. And then the other thing I would say is we have a really well-trained staff that most of the time our clients call in and they never even end up talking to me because Abby or Stone or someone else has long since answered their question, handled their issue, got the money that they needed, helped them with a deposit, helped them set up an account, whatever it might be. When they're way nicer. Yeah. Right. So again, half my clients are like, I just want to talk to Abby. I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk to you. Right. So, so again, I mean, bottom line is you should expect to be able to receive an answer. And if someone calls in our office, if my staff can't help them, they'll pass it on to me and we'll have that conversation. And so I don't, I don't think that's some crazy amounts of high level service. I think that's, and it should be an expected service level. Well, and, and I would say this, Mark, you know, a lot of times people want their money to be at a place that's reputable, that is recognizable. Right. And so as a, as fiduciaries, Matt and I, you know, the money people invest in our, you know, in, in our plans, our portfolios are not invested in acute wealth advisor bank accounts, mm-hmm. right? They are, we use Fidelity and TD Ameritrade and Charles Schwab as our custodians. But what, what our clients don't have to do is get on the phone and go through the dial tone system with those companies in order to get the service that they need, right? That's where we, we come in and take care of those things and, and do have this, this idea of what customer service should look like for our clients and their retirement plans and getting back to them and getting them those services, but still having behind the scenes, those reputable places where your money's held, where we can't touch it, um, but we can manage it. And, and we're not influenced by by those companies and the relationships that they've made with mutual fund companies, et cetera. As a fiduciary, we put the, the needs of our clients ahead of our own and we're able to look at everything available and say, here are the best, most cost efficient, tax efficient investment vehicles that we can build into your plan while still having them at places where you, you, you know, they're, they're going to be there for a long time and your money is safe. Gentlemen, believe it or not, we're in the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter of the year is officially here. It feels like, you know, it's been summer for a hot minute and now we're here. And Morningstar's Christine Ben says that that means it's time to take stock of your investments. 
this is a good time of year to do a good uh, overall portfolio checkup, maybe make a few moves where you can potentially improve your tax situation. So year end is, is when I would urge investors to take a little break and, and spend some time reviewing their portfolios. Okay, so to review the portfolios, take stock of your investments, I got a quick question. Is that something you can help with? And what are some other things we might do to look at as we approach another end of the year? Well, you know, the fourth quarter is always a busy time for Matt and I um, meeting with people, obviously, that call in from radio or see us on the television or go to one of our workshops. But in addition to with our current clients, you know, um, taxes is something that that we know happens every year. Right. And if we can save money in taxes, that means those dollars go back to our pocket instead of Uncle Sam. And in the fourth quarter of the year, typically is when we have a really good idea of how much our income is going to be. And with the current tax rates being historically low, low as they've been in 50 years, a lot of people have some room to convert some of the money from their IRAs and 401ks over to Roth. Yes, that would mean they pay the tax now, but they can pay it at a very low rate to prepare for future to have tax diversification in their portfolio. Some buckets that are taxable, that's your IRAs and 401ks. Some that are non-taxable, that's your Roth IRAs and 401ks. And then, you know, some taxable accounts, which are your non-qualified after-tax investments. So having tax diversification in retirement gives you the ability to have tax diversified income which hopefully keeps you in lower tax rates, which means again, more money in your pocket in that time where you're on a fixed income, right? So the end of the year is a great time to be looking at your, your portfolios and see, am I a good candidate to do some Roth conversions? You know, another thing that has to be done before the end of the year are required minimum distributions. And we know that that law got changed. And so you, you now have till age 72, but at age 72 and then every year thereafter, you're gonna have to take what's called a required minimum distribution out of those IRAs or 401ks and declare it as income. And it has to be done before the end of the year. If you don't do it, the penalty is pretty stiff. It's a 50% penalty. So if you had to take out five grand, $2,500 in penalties would not be something you wanna deal with. So you want to make sure your RMD got done before the end of the year. And then another part of that should be, as we've talked about already on this show, is a lot of the growth in the markets have caused portfolios to get out of balance, right? And so to look at and say, am I balanced? Am I on the course that I set? You know, those are the types of things that you're looking at in the fourth quarter of the year that that really have an impact down the road to the success of your retirement plan. Is it more important now to start getting these, taking a look at that portfolio, making the adjustments now because we're at the end of the year that is opposed to any other time of the year? As far as portfolio adjustments, I would say no. I mean, I mean, the only reason that it makes sense to be adjusting a portfolio right now is, again, the market has done so well that a lot of people are out of balance having more growth in their stock portfolio than they have in their bond portfolio. Okay. But these end of the end of year tax moves that Damon's talking about, again, that's a deadline. If you don't get things done by December 31st, you can't do a Roth conversion. You can't do it after you file your taxes or just before you file your taxes next year. If you don't take your RMDs like Damon's saying, if that's not out by December 31st, you know, you pay a pretty hefty penalty. So there's certain things that we're, we're under a crunch time deadline that has to be done by the end of the year. And then other things are just, hey, this is something I should have been doing or I should do. If this is my reminder, if 
I'm paying attention to my taxes right now and I go in and rebalance my portfolio at the same time, at least you're getting that task done as well. So again, it's, it's about just, you know, getting things done based on the deadlines, but it's also saying, Hey, I'm paying attention to my finances. I'm making decisions. I'm making adjustments. I'm not just letting it ride and, and potentially setting myself up for some sort of mistake or, or not being allocated properly. You know, it's something that we procrastinated me and my wife about for a long time. And that was getting our will done. And we finally got it done, but it just took forever to finally just pull the trigger and get the appointment with the attorney and got everything taken care of. But it was one of those that it just, I was almost kicking myself because of how long it took. And it was like, this really wasn't that hard. Do you feel the same way when it comes to this time of the year where people are like, okay, the holidays are going to be here and things are going to get crazy. Schedules are going to get crazy. Just need to pull that trigger and set up that appointment. Well, it's not like everything. I've given the analogy of, I finally called Geico to see if I could save 15%. <laughs> right. And I saved like 20 or 30%. Mm. Well, I just went through the process of working with an insurance broker and I found that I found a different insurance company that saved me even more than Geico. And again, I sit there and go, well, how long have I been paying Geico a little bit more than I should? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I should have made that call a lot sooner. And so how many times do we get done with a task and go, oh my gosh, why didn't I do this you know, six months ago? And so don't let more time go by where you're missing out on opportunities or paying too much or, or exposing yourself to problems or risks that you didn't even know were there. Make sure you're just prioritizing some of these important things and getting it done. Gentlemen, when was the last time you packed up the family truckster and went out to Disney? It's been a while. Been a minute. Thank goodness. Uh, we got older Thank kids. Goodness. So. <laughs> so Walt Disney World opened its doors to the public 50 years ago this week. And let's do some comparisons. Admission 50 years ago was $3.50. Oh, my gosh. Today. A they have like one ride? <laughs> <laughs> it was just the teacups. and that, It was just yeah. one oh, teacup. Okay. By comparison, a one-day pass for guests 10 and over today would cost you $109 plus taxes. So if you want to take the family to Disney for a week, that's going to cost you about $4,200. Whew. A souvenir Mickey Mouse ears, those are going to be almost $14. Hey, you're going to walk about 14,000 steps. So what steps. do you learn from all this, Mark? Uh, sorry, you kids. You should have bought Disney stock. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what you learned from this. <laughs> sorry, kids. Disney burned down. We're going to go to the local fair anyway. That's what I, but uh, here's the thing. Uh, for mom and dad, a beer is going to cost you anywhere from 8 to 11 bucks a glass. We went to Disney, I don't know, it was five or six years ago. And it's just happiest place on earth. Sure, because it's hot and you're sunburned and you're screaming and it's expensive, but we made memories, right? Isn't that supposed to be the takeaway? So when our kids were young and we went to Disneyland, it really was fun to watch them, enjoy that, have a good time. I mean, I, I, I thought it was worth it, but we went there for a company event where we took our employees there. It was just adults and we went and me and Katie at like five o'clock in the afternoon, we were like, let's go back to the hotel and take a nap. You know, it was like we were done. Yeah. And, and I think it's, again, with kids, it can be magical. And there's something about that place. But the older you get, for me, I feel like my kids have grown out of We've grown out of it. And, and it's really the last place I'd rather be. I'd rather be on the beach, hanging out yeah. with my kids, surfing mm -hmm. or yep. boogie boarding with them or whatever. I, that's, uh, that's my happy place. Yeah, It's like trick-or-treating, right? I, got, I have no desire to go but I did with my little kids. Right. And as and a lot of our clients haven't gone in years and then all of a sudden they've got grandkids and it's the number one priority. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be where, where little Jimmy is, you know, walking around the neighborhood getting candy. So right. But buy Disney stock or you should have bought Disney stock. <laughs> That's your takeaway. Yeah. No, there's nothing magical about daddy laid up in bed on Dones. Cause I threw my back out on the magic mountain ride. So 
<laughs> don'ts, don'ts. You're like you're like aging yourself. <laughs> you judge me, one republic. Don't you judge me? So I want to talk a little bit about inflation because it seems like you know we went years without hearing anything about inflation. Now it's in the news just about every single day, and U.S. News and World Report says it. That's why retirees need to stay in the stock market just to make sure their nest egg keeps up. Do you agree or do you disagree? You know, uh, retirement, you know, we do a lot of these educational workshops. And one of the things we talk about with why uh, Social Security has some issues and, and why people need to look at longevity is, is people are living a lot longer now. I mean, this generation that's retiring is slated to live about 15 years longer than their grandparents. So, you know, one generation removed, it's you're adding 15 years to retirement. So to ignore inflation would be foolish because in the beginning of your retirement, your social security and whatever's meeting your monthly nut, it's going to cost you more, a lot more at the end of the day. I mean, again, you just, we just were comparing prices of Disney, et cetera. And if you want to continue the, your lifestyle the way it is, you've got to get enough growth to not only meet your income needs, but also to account for that inflation. So um, having some risk. But that, in your that's portfolio. a perfect example, right? Again, Disneyland is expensive. But I mean, I don't know, we might go back and say $3.50 to take your kids and plus all that stuff. That might have been expensive mm -hmm. back then, right? Mm -hmm. But what needed to happen over that period of time is, again, if you were retired, your money needs to keep up with the fact that now you can't go to Disneyland for 30 bucks or 40 bucks or 50 bucks or whatever it is when you were taking your kids. Now it costs 110 plus all the other stuff. So the only way you're going to do that, if you thought, well, I'm just going to put that in a CD and make 1%. I'm going to put that under my mattress. I'm going to be super conservative. You are losing the battle. Your money is buying less and less. So mm -hmm. you've got to have some of your investments that are growing by three, four, five, 10% to, to accommodate for your needs that are going to come down the road. They're going to be twice as expensive. And so you've got to have that growth or, you know, you're losing that battle with inflation. And so, yeah, you can say on paper, I didn't lose anything, but you might have lost one or two percent. I mean, they're saying that this past year cost went up by six percent. So if you were in bonds exclusively and you made a three per four percent return on your bond portfolio, well, then technically you lost two or three percent. If you were in cash or in CDs, you lost four or five or six percent. Mm -hmm. So you've got to have something that's keeping up with what costs and inflation is doing around you to make sure that you're able to continue to maintain the lifestyle over the next 20 or 30 years as you retire. This is critical. Again, if people are, are not understanding how much things are going to cost 10 and 15 years, they're going to be in for a really surprise awakening uh, when that happens. They're like, oh my gosh, uh, I can't afford this. I've got to move in with the kids. I've got to sell the house. I've got to make these drastic decisions because we weren't growing their money keep up with where, where things are going. You know, Mark, I, I met with a guy just uh, three days ago and he had had $800,000 sitting in the bank for the last three years. And he's like, you know, I, the stock market, all this is always, you know, my wife used to do it and he's divorced now. And so he just was like, I just don't know what to do. And it's a really hard for me to make a transition and make a plan. And so I said, you know, it sounds like if you lose money, that that's going to be something that hurts you, right? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'm afraid of losing money. And I said, well, let's look at inflation, right? What if you, what if we just looked at 4%, right? For the last three years, you've lost on $800,000, 4% is $32,000 a year. And he's like, what? Right. <laughs> you know, and that adds up over three years to almost $100,000. Now on paper, he didn't lose anything. 
But when you put it in perspective like that, that's a significant amount of money, mm-hmm. right? And, and so you, you have some of these, some people that are afraid of the stock market and afraid of, of risk. And to some extent in retirement, you should be. You should be afraid of taking a huge downturn in your, in your portfolio. But then you've also, I would say, a lot of times we're running into people who have, because the market has been so good, that are so confident in it that they're taking too much risk, mm-hmm. right? And so it comes down to, with inflation, is you have to factor that in to a good retirement plan because things are gonna cost more and you have to balance your risk and your safety and make sure with your safety that you're actually in vehicles that are going to have some growth, not just a money market or cash or a CD right now because those are actually losing money right now based on inflation. Thanks for listening. Want more from Damon and Matt? Check out successinthenewretirement.com. And while you're there, drop us an email with your questions. Investment advisory services offered through Acute Investment Advisory, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance and annuities offered through its affiliated company, Acute Wealth Advisors, LLC. Tax and or legal advice is not offered by either company or their affiliated companies. Consult with your tax and legal professionals for guidance on tax or legal matters. The information presented should not be viewed as personalized investment advice. All expressions of opinion are subject to change. We are not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.